it is one of the most controversial verses in the Bible. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hansen. We're talking Ephesians 5, verse 22 today. I'm sure you've heard it because it causes a lot of opinions out there. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. Mm, That verse has caused a lot of people to scratch their heads over the years, but what does that verse mean? really means. We brought in Kara Johnson. She is a visiting assistant professor of theology and a residence director at Ave Maria University in Florida. She's also taught sacred scripture and theology of the body at Ave Maria. She has a Bachelor of Arts in Theology from Benedictine College and her Master of Arts in Theology from the Augustine Institute. And she's currently a PhD candidate and writing her dissertation on this scripture passage. So Kara, you are our expert. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. You're so welcome. Uh, we're going to get into this, uh, you know, wedding season, of course, but well, wedding season's year round, but um, coming up here, spring, summer. Uh, let's talk about, um, I first want to get into the, the history of this verse before we get your opinion on, okay, what does this verse really mean? Wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, as I set up, you know, this is arguably the most controversial pa- passage in the Bible. But first, tell us the context surrounding where it was in the Bible, who wrote it, why did they write it, what was the what was going on during that time period that you think even brought this verse to be written in the first place? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people don't realize, but that passage from Ephesians 5, like, um, Paul exhorts in his other letters to wives to be submissive to their husbands as well. So it's in Ephesians, it's in Colossians, actually one of the letters of St. Peter. So as I was doing more research, I'm like, this is actually in a lot of different places. It's in 1 Corinthians too. Um, So um, it's definitely something that they taught. It's not just, oh, this one little verse we can just ignore. It's clear that it's in like throughout the the New Testament. Um, And while I was looking at that passage, I actually decided to write my dissertation on it because I didn't see a treatment on it that actually satisfied me. Hmm. A lot of people are like, oh, Paul's just writing in the time of his day, all this stuff, you know? And I was like, no, I I know that scripture is divinely inspired. So what is God trying to say in this? (laughs) And I know, um, but uh, with Ephesians though, Ephesians um, is the letter that really expounds upon that verse more than any other of Paul's letters. And I actually um, did some research kind of in the historical um, uh, background of Ephesians. And I think Ephesians is probably last, uh, Paul's last letter to a church. Um, so I, th- I think that there's some weight with that too. It's like, okay, so this is really important. Um, we see in a lot, uh, well, in the different letters too, um, it's part of the household ethics. So he's looking at like, okay, how should children act? How should slaves act? How should husband and wife act? Um, And um, that's in other letters as well. But in Ephesians, it's really beautiful because if you look at the whole letter, he's talking about unity within the church. So, okay, so then how do we find unity within the family? How do we find unity in husband and wife? How should they treat each other? Um, And so, yeah, 
Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. <laughs> yeah, and, and so and so, th- and that's some yeah, you, that's yeah. some great context yeah. for for when we think back to the time mm-hmm. period of of when he wrote this. So, yeah. of course, when we hear that, wives be subject to your husband. So ultimately, mm-hmm. what wh- what does that mean? Does it yeah. does it literally mean what it says, or is there a lot more to it than on the surface? Yeah. So um, John Paul II actually is theology of the body um, when he's looking at this passage notes um, that before. They talk about wives being submissive to their husbands. He says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to their husbands. Actually, it's interesting that verb isn't actually repeated. So it's just wives to your husbands. Um, So you see that within the church, we should be submissive to one another, um, wanting the good for another. And um, what I have seen as I've looked through the saints on this passage um, St. John Chrysostom has lots of beautiful homilies on it. St. Thomas Aquinas writes on it. Um, and then John Paul II. And also um, pontiffs have written on it in encyclicals, Pius XI, Leo XIII. And what I've found is that um, they are submissive under Christ, um, but in different ways. They're submissive to one another, but in different ways because wives, um, women, love differently than men (laughs) Um, and men love differently than women. Um, And so I've kind of, what I boiled it down to in a nutshell is I've seen um, that men are submissive to the good of the family, to the good of their wife. They're supposed to lay down their lives for their wife and for their children. And then wives are submissive to them as head of the family. So in in that context, we shouldn't necessarily, it's not like a, Wives be sub- subject to your husbands, and and that's Door it. Mats. yeah, and, 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 and that's it. Because I know that's that's a lot of people think, especially yeah. in, in in today's day and age, um, where we talk about you know equality and mutual respect for both sexes, mm-hmm. and people see this verse and they're kind of freaking out. Mm-hmm. But but so there is more to it than just oh, just absolutely. on the surface. But but reading through you know some of the research that you sent me prior to this, what I found interesting, you mentioned John Paul II, he talked about mutual submission submission in marriage. Mm-hmm. But previous popes kind of stressed the order of the family with the husband as head of the family. So where does that leave us? Because there seems to be a little bit of some, you know, it's not like they're totally, some, some popes 100% disagreed with each other, but there seems to be some disconnect there. Mm-hmm. Would that be safe to say? Yeah, and that's the problem that I'm trying <laughs> with, with my dissertation, trying to figure out like, okay, because a lot of people just look to John Paul and say, oh, it's just simply mutual submission. We don't need to talk about the order of the family anymore. So some theologians will say that. Um, and I think that that's wrong. I don't think John Paul II was trying to do that at all. Um, some things, I mean, some, um, you know, what, what he's bringing out, I think is really beautiful, really beautiful insight. Um, but I think he would say too, that's not the end of the story, but I think he's realizing, okay, modern man doesn't really know what this means. And the word submission or obedience, we're like, no, we don't want to ever do that. He's like, oh no, 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 no. Hold on. Like, this is not like a submission of like master slave by any means. And of course the husband is supposed to love his wife. But he does say in a little bit, like if she, he's like, okay, with the wife being submissive, he says it's ultimately submission of love of the husband. I'm like, yeah, that's right. So there is some sort of submission there. I think he like will say, but it's ultimately one of love. Um, And I think what he's just trying to do there is just like, let's get men and women like loving each other again. (laughs) It's like, you know, modern man is like, fallen so far away, you know, from what marriage is supposed to be that I think he's like, let's just try to get them back 
here. But I think that now um, we do need to look at to like I I I do want to say like mutual submission though is not the end of the story. The church has taught um, that there is an order to the family. Yeah, and yeah. I, w- I want to get into that because mm-hmm. um, the head of household um, mm-hmm. seems to fall on the man. And do you? I guess, is it a definition problem where again, okay, maybe we live in a culture when you hear, well, the, the man, the husband is the head of household that people are like, whoa, whoa, no, that, that, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem equal. You know, the, the husband and wife need to be co-equals mm-hmm. and they're, they're co-head of households. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you saying, no, there's actually a little bit of, of danger to thinking that way, yeah. that there is an order? Yeah. Um, I think that there is, um, because I think if, um, we like, say like, okay, men are not heads of household, that it's, you know, there isn't a headship involved, then I think women also kind of lose their place too. Um, As I think the headship of the man actually protects the woman and she can then be free to be the heart when she's not, you know, striving to be the head. She can actually just work on like loving the family. Um, and obviously like I love Fulton Sheen actually says this really well in, um, the world's first love, his book on Mary. He says, the man is to govern, but the woman is to reign. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's different. Yeah. There's differing ways where they rule in the household. Like, it's not like the woman doesn't have authority at all you know, or anything like that. Um, but, uh, that she reigns. Uh, reigns in the hearts of the children and a lot I've seen too like saints have talked about this as well like men kind of look at the household and they figure out how does the household fit into society and women are more inward looking like the dynamics of the household too so they're kind of like looking at the dynamics um telling the husband about the children right and then that he kind of oversees it all, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and even yeah. though, even though you say there is an order of, well, okay, the man is the, the head of the household, he shouldn't be playing this Trump card if there's disagreement. No, right. like, I'm, well, I'm head of the household, honey. Um, well, right. expand a little bit more upon that. Cause I've, I've never heard of the woman is the heart of the family. Mm-hmm. I think that is a beautiful mm-hmm. phrase to put uh, put to, to put the the wife in that situation, and and of course, and and you said you know the male kind of is the governor, you know the governor, and you know I have a kind of you just look at my own family, you know sometimes you see men as the the disciplinary and the mother as you know kind of compassionate, and I know that's very generally broad right, strokes, sure, of course. Uh, but and maybe that's a little bit stereotypical too, mm-hmm. but but. I do like the way you spell out that the, the woman is the heart of the family. Queen, I, I always mm-hmm. like you're the queen of the castle. There's something about yeah. being queen that just right. seems a little bit more, almost better than king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, yeah, I'm like, it, it frees the woman to be who she is too. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of young women too that I talk to, I'm a resident director, I teach. And I'm like, don't you, do you want to like always make the decisions always? And they're like, no, I don't want to make all the decisions. <laughs> like, I want my husband to choose what's good for our family too. And not just like, be like, well, what do you want to do? You know, <laughs> like they have like a vision for their family. Um, and with getting married soon too, um, talking to my fiance as well about like prayer and he's looked at um, some things with like praying for a family and being the priest of the household too. And there's an authority there of a spiritual authority. Like he blesses the children, you know, and he can bless me. There's some kind of authority. There's some kind of spiritual authority. Um, and that's a really beautiful thing. That's like women want to be protected. You know, we want to be protected. We want to um, be cared for. Um, 
And so sometimes when men don't see, I guess, their role as like head head and as protector, um, actually the woman isn't always happy within the marriage. Hmm. Um, so I've seen that too. Yeah. Now I know you, um, in some of the research that, that you've looked at you, there's this view that male and female, um, the difference is simply biological, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, only has sig- significance for, for reproduction. I know you, you've arguing that it's much more than that male mm-hmm. and female, the sexual difference has this spiritual yeah. significance mm-hmm. at, as well. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I'm looking into this like anthropological question. So something I've actually like, thought about since I was in high school, um, I just was first introduced to this question, like, do we have male and female souls? Is the sexual difference based on our soul? or just like on the body. And um, Edith Stein, um, a beautiful singer who writes a lot about femininity, says that there's male souls and female souls. And I was, and I was looking into that um, question, but then also, but St. Thomas Aquinas says, and this is the position that I hold as well, that no, the soul is immaterial, so it doesn't have a sexual difference, but it is the form of male and female bodies. So you could say like, your soul is male or female um, because it is always going to be the form of this male or female body. But um, the sexual difference, I argue, is based on the predisposed matter that has a prior form, which is either going to be like XX or XY chromosomes. And then that soul um, becomes the form of that. And But like, so even though we don't have per se male, female souls, there's a spiritual significance to that. Like, so because, you know, my body is female, I will never be a priest, you know, like that's a, that's a, that's something that's based off of the matter, but it has spiritual implications and the differing, you know, like we're looking into all these, you know, this research is coming out more and more about um, how our brains are different. Well, that does like in some way kind of inform our souls, right? Like, um, we see like even Teresa of Avila um, and other, these other female saints they really have a feminine spirituality. They see themselves as brides of Christ, right? It's a little bit harder for a man to see himself as a bride of Christ, but we all are really like our soul in relation to God is a bride, right? But um, that there is some kind of spiritual significance. There's a feminine spirituality and a masculine spirituality. So I get into that a little bit too in the dissertation. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's very fascinating. I know you also mm-hmm. write about Mary being the model mm-hmm. for women and of the church and of submission. Can mm-hmm. kind of get back to this original question yeah. of submission? How is Mary a model of submission? Yeah. So when I was researching my dissertation and working more and more on it, I kind of had this dark night. I was like, am I doing what I should be doing? Like, is this right? Is it like, is there an order to the family? And I was looking at um, Father Don Calloway's book on, um, on the consecration of St. Joseph. And I was reading the litany to St. Joseph and it says, head of the Holy Family, pray for us. I'm like, oh, so we've been like honoring St. Joseph as head of the Holy Family for for years and years, centuries. And I thought, oh, Mary was submissive to him too, even though she was like, I mean, the Immaculate Conception and, you know, better than St. Joseph, right? But still in the gospels, it's clear, like the angel gives him those instructions and he takes the family and goes he doesn't we don't hear like the angel appearing to mary and mary telling joseph this is what we need to do joseph received that and and mary submitted to him knowing that it was for her good like it, he wanted her good and he wanted jesus's good and he was there to protect them um so i see her as obviously like she gives um 
her fiat to God, you know, and so she's submissive to him, but also I think submissive to St. Joseph as well. Hmm, very interesting. And yeah. I, I want to get kind of your take on, this isn't in your dissertation, or maybe something you've, you've at least researched a little bit, but you see in today's culture, high divorce, mm-hmm. uh, the breakdown of the family. What do you think is like the overarching reason why? What, what are we doing as a culture? What are families doing wrong? Or maybe we need to do something differently that you think can help curb this problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's lots of things, but I do think that unless like we return to like God's design for the family, which I think this is part of it, I don't think we're going to see a renewal in the family. Um, and of course, like there's been books that have come out about submissive wives and that I think are completely wrong. Um, cause I've seen some like the, Oh, you, the woman just needs to be a doormat or like the stereotype that like, um, she can submit to him even if he's abusive. That's like not the church's teachings at all, at all. Um, but I think that unless you really like embrace our roles as male and female and also like, um, appreciate the other's gifts, like, the male is given gifts to to lead, to defend, to govern, and the woman is given these gifts to nurture and, um, you know, to give her life to these children and educate them. Um, and I think unless we return to like what do we do best and like appreciate the other's gifts, like <laughs> it's just not going to work, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and getting back into marriage, I know you've, you've talked about how marriage is an image of Christ mm-hmm. and the church. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, well, like, um, we'll just, just, um, like preparing for marriage. Um, I've seen like more and more like how, Oh, Adam loves me, um, as like, as Christ loves me. And I like first, like, he, <laughs> Adam loved me even before I like really loved him. Like he, he was first and like chose me and I responded to that love and like have grown to love him. And just like seeing how this dynamic, we can actually image the love of Christ and the church. I'm like, this is so beautiful and show the world like the love of Christ and the church in like, um, receiving life and giving life and like how, you know, just this, yeah, showing the world like Christ's love and that's really needed in our society yeah, more sure. and more. <laughs> yeah. How, how long is your dissertation have to be? Or Okay, so well, it should only be 250 pages, but right oh. now it's, it's close to 400. So <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna have to shorten it uh, right. a little you're, bit. You're have to. Okay, so I'm gonna finish with this then. This yeah. might be, uh, you might be really difficult. Mm-hmm. In your research of, of, of all yeah. this, in, in your 400 pages, mm-hmm what has really struck you as like something, oh my gosh, I didn't think of it that way. Or, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I want the whole world to know this. What mm-hmm. is this? So what, what come, what comes to mind? Or, you know, it's just a, a theme oh. or uh, something you found out. Oh, like a, a theme or something I found out in my dissertation as I was going through it. Hmm. Oh, I think like, <laughs> one thing I just keep thinking of is like, the church loves women. It really loves women. And more than any other institution has advocated for the dignity of women. And um, what, um, and just showing, like with Mary and with my research into that, and um, 
my research in the scriptures and then the church fathers on this question, it's just that women have a great role in the church and the church is protecting us, you know, and like nurturing us to be what we are made to be. And unless we embrace that, like, um, we're not gonna be fully alive. Yeah. So that's Good. the one thing that I'm seeing. More more. Well, well, that's, I mean, that, that's really, the Hail Mary is always my go-to prayer. Yeah, Love me some Mary. Mary's awesome. Um, yeah. well, well, all the best to you and your Thank new, you your, so your new marriage and your, Thank your everything you. going on in Florida and somehow getting 400 pages down or increasing pages. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what, whoever yeah. has to read that, that that's mm-hmm. a lot of pages. All right. Yeah. Well, well, Kara Johnson, you are, this was, this was great. Cause yeah, it is, it's a passage and it's an, an issue that people are like, I don't really know what the heck's going mm-hmm. on here. Um, and you summed it up beautifully. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thank Dive you. Deep Thanks and, for having and, me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, this has been Dive Deep. For more podcasts, head over to dial.org slash podcast. If you'd like to financially support Dive Deep, go to dial.org slash give. And until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep. <laughs>